As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your host, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. What's going on, Luke? Mm, a little bit of everything, Big Jed. Usually my, my go-to <laughs> there is not much, but it's a it's a busy week here. I know you're uh, all too familiar with coming off the World Footbreak Challenge, but our, uh, our summer door car shootout is coming up this weekend. Obviously, as we'll talk, I, uh, last weekend was a big weekend for both of us. Yes. So we've got a lot to talk about this episode, but for me, like, this is bad to say, I guess. It, if you're at an HRA national event, the way that things are run if you're in on sunday you're doing really well like usually they get us to the semifinals and i'm not going to sure. say that i planned to be home on sunday but the odds are pretty good that yeah. you're going to be home on sunday so well that's an extra day i can get ready for the door car race not that i am going to complain about the way that my weekend turned out by any means but you would think after you double up at a national event like monday kick your feet up just enjoy you know what you've done think, let it all sink in 
we got home at like one thirty Monday morning, worked from 6 a.m. to about midnight indoor car race stuff and was at the racetrack this morning a little bit after six. So it's been kind of a hectic week and you know it's just going to get better or worse depending on how you're looking at it. So a lot yeah. going on, but it's all it's all been good here, buddy. How about you? Yeah, man. Wonderful. Couldn't be better. I know you and I talked Sunday evening. Uh, you were home from an, um, going home from an amazing weekend, and as was I, and just winding down from WFC. Still got a little bit of sponsor stuff, some round price stuff, and things like that to get posted, which I'll probably spend some time in the motorhome at the Summer Door Car Shootout, taking care of a lot of that, and just trying to get my racing operation ready to head north and Enjoy some racing at I-57. Knock on wood, the, the forecast to this point looks like we're going to have a beautiful weekend for it. So looking forward to it. Yeah, can't wait. Um, it's somehow always hotter there than it is in Alabama when I go to I-57. It's going to be again, but <laughs> I'll take it. Never fails. We had this race in October once. Whenever we have this race, it's the hottest weekend of the year. It never <laughs> fails. So just be prepared. As long as it's dry, that's all that matters. <laughs> Big show today. We've got a lot to cover. NHRA National Event in Joliet that included the Jags All-Stars, obviously the World Footbrake Challenge in Bristol. We're going to get an opportunity to take a few moments with sportsman drag racing icon Dan Fletcher and talk about his big weekend, uh, which included his 100th NHRA National Event win. But first, let's, uh, Jed, let's tell everybody who's hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Who's Hot is presented by our friends at Seabrook Performance. Need machine work? Whether it's boring, torque plate haunting, block, head, or manifold resurfacing, competition valve jobs, or precision balancing, Seabrook Performance has the equipment and, more importantly, the experience to do the job right. Follow them on Facebook at Seabrook Performance. All right, this week on Who's Hot, we probably could have gone a couple of different directions, but I think we got to give the nod to Mark McDonald. Mark McDonald was the, the, I think we discussed this last week at the National Event in Chicago. Obviously, the Jags All-Stars is a big part of it. And then Jags kicks in a bonus for any driver that can pull off the win in the All-Stars competition and then follow it up with a win in the same category at the National Event. A couple of drivers got close, flirted with that. One got it done, and that was Mr. Mark McDonald, Division Three top sportsman, Jags All-Stars representative, driving out of the dragstersforsale.com camp. Got it done in the Jags All-Stars competition. I believe he beat J.J. Bear in the final. Came back around two days later, knocked out our buddy Bones in the final of the national event and top sportsman. All told, that is eight straight win lights, going 660s against arguably the toughest top sportsman field of the year with the All-Stars and with the uh, National Event at Juliet. So I think Mark McDonald gets our Who's Hot Award for this week. Really cool. Mark's a great guy and uh, a, a familiar competitor at the Summer Door Car Shootout. Is he on the list this year? He is not coming this year, but funny story. Mark had texted me probably uh, three, four weeks ago. He was just getting everything prepared for the All-Stars, had made some changes to his combination, looking for some place to test, and said, hey, I hadn't been over at I-57 since they redid it. I'm going fast. Can I test there? And I'm like, look, I ain't ever gone 420 down nothing, but I think you'll be all right. So he called Scott. He went out there on a Friday night testing tune and rattled off. I think he told me two straight 422s and the yeah. crowd went wild. He was the talk of, uh, of Benton, Illinois. So <laughs> glad he got well, some testing awesome. out at I-57. Obviously, it paid off. Huge, huge weekend for him up at Joliet Route 66 Raceway. 
Awesome. Congrats to Mark for being our Seabrook performance. Who's hot this week? Like I said, we've got a lot to cover, but we'll start with the All-Stars. We'll kind of break up the Chicago weekend a couple of times. But as we talked about last week, the Jags All-Stars competition is always a huge, probably the highlight of the national event at Route 66 Raceway. And this year was no exception. I I thought I jinxed us for a minute. I I talked last week about how cool an atmosphere it is because everybody gets to go up to the fence watches the the all-stars competition from let's like say that fences line from eighth mile to quarter mile with racers it's a really mm. neat atmosphere well when we got there that area was all blockaded off it was just open grass that you couldn't get to and um, i think at some point the blockades got moved so and then there was security guards there that would not allow anyone on the grass um the power yeah. of facebook came into play I, i'll attribute all of this to austin williams really he made a post about it it got shared by about 1800 people and the next thing you know the blockades came down and everybody got to watch the race like normal so yeah i saw that play out uh, hate it had to had to happen that way but it was a good thing that everybody got to get back in their familiar spot and watch your racing yeah the way i got the story was just a little bit of miscommunication i don't think uh anybody meant any harm by it but nonetheless glad that it it, uh, it got resolved and everybody could enjoy the event like normal and uh, create that really cool atmosphere. As it wound down on uh, Saturday afternoon, we saw, as you predicted, Big Jed, the yeah. Division Three team take it all home by, a, in All-Stars terms, like a fairly wide margin. I think they won by over two rounds, which is difficult to do. Usually, it seems like more often than not, it ends up in a tiebreaker of some sort. You know, I mean, there's only so many rounds available. Right. Um, so for as much as you can quote-unquote, dominate an event like that. The Division Three team did that. Highlighted by Mark McDonald, top sportsman winner, and Andrew Hill, um, stock eliminator winner, plus Jeff Dona was also a, a finalist in Superstock. So congrats to the Division Three team. I have caught a little bit of flack for not picking my home division, <laughs> and then a lot more flack when they actually went, came through and won. So um, kudos to you. Nice work, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I posted on your Twitter post, I finally got something right. It, it felt really good, too. <laughs> but uh, top dragster, Luke, saw Steve Furr, again, one of the toughest there is in a couple of categories. He, he got the wheel over uh, Phil Unruh. As you mentioned, Mark McDonald got the win over J.J. Heber. Heber, uh, I believe. Could be I say Heber. You've corrected me on that before. That's right. <laughs> Supercomp was an interesting story. Uh, your, your good buddy and mine, Nick Folk, got the win over Trevor Larson. And uh, Nick had the opportunity to get that double-up bonus, but that got cut around short. Yeah, he, he, I hated to stand in the way of that, to be completely honest. I don't want to I don't keep anybody from winning five grand when I can't win it myself. But uh, the way that shook down, I'm I'm not considering laying down in that instance. We had a great race. Could have gone either way. But uh, yeah. now, Nick, winning the All-Stars and, man, that guy, it, I'm, it's not news to anybody, but that guy is a machine. Like, the, yes. the, what he does at the finish line, there are not too many people that are capable of that i'm not sure there's anybody capable of doing it quite the way that he does it he is uh, an animal particular all the way around in any class and any car but particularly on that end of the racetrack very impressive yeah no doubt about it one of the best super gas was uh, ken mostowich over dave kelly super street was josh dalrymple over our buddy jonathan anderson which has had a phenomenal year and just about really got uh, the ultimate goal that, that he's been looking for. Uh, he's the defending champion of the All-Stars in Super Street, if I remember correctly, and made his way back to the final. So 
job by Jonathan again. Uh, super stock was James Antoinette. Got the win over Jeff Dona with uh, perfect reaction time at that. That uh, has to be the ultimate great feeling in, in the All-Stars final. Yeah, I'm pulling this up now because I didn't want to misspeak. Okay, he wasn't as unreal as I thought. Antoinette had put forth an, an incredible display, and I thought he was double O every round. I'm looking at it now. He was 24 first round. He really slacked up. In the semis <laughs> of the All-Stars, he's double O five. In the final, he's perfect. So um, pretty mm. impressive display, particularly in that event against that level of competition on that stage. Awesome job to uh, to James, the Division One Superstock representative. Yeah, heck of a performance there by him. And in stock, Andrew Hill got the win over a guy that I think that you said uh, wouldn't surprise you at all if he come out on top, Tibor Kadar out of uh, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, Tibor, this just a side note because I was standing on the fence watching it happen. Usually, let me rephrase this, like heads up races don't excite me a whole lot in stock eliminator. But I think everybody at the facility kind of gets fired up when you know a heads-up race is going to be close. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's one of the cool things about Stock Eliminator. Tibor and Mick Alley squared up, heads up, in the semis of the All-Stars. And they're both mm. fast. And nobody, I think, the people that I talked to anyway assume that Tibor had a slight advantage. But if I remember correctly, I believe the index is 11 flat. I think they're running A automatic. I may be wrong. I'm, I'm just yeah. going off the cuff here. They were within a hundredth or two at the tree, and Tibor went like 996 to mix 998. It was a couple of hundredths at the finish line. Mm. Like, it, pretty cool pro stock style race in the semis of Stock Limited, yeah. with both of them going a second plus under after driving halfway across the country to do it. Like it, it was just a neat atmosphere. Tough for Mick, tough, tough way to go out, but uh, it was a cool race. And you would know better than I, but I feel like I've heard that the out of the seven divisions and eight racers now in it, that those guys try everything they can to avoid those situations. I think they'll get in a different class than they're used to or sometimes take a different car than they're used to racing. But I know they don't want heads ups in there, but if you're going to have one, it sounded like that one was pretty darn exciting. Yeah, and I didn't speak with either racer, but I kind of get the impression in this that like – Neither one of them shied away from it, obviously. I'm like, well, I run A automatic and I got a really fast car. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here yeah. it goes. And they both do and they both did. And it was it was a pretty cool show for a, yeah, as cool as two 10 second cars can be going on a racetrack. Like, that was neat. I, I enjoyed it. Good stuff. So that wrapped up the All Stars. Congratulations to the Division Three representatives and uh, the entire division for that matter. I know they all take a little pride in their team winning, whether they were involved individually or not. So great job by those guys. Absolutely. We'll get back to talking a little bit more about the Route 66 NHRA Nationals later in the show. But Big Jed, go across the country to your race. We previewed it. We previewed it a couple of times on the show. World Footbrake Challenge took place last week in Bristol. By all accounts, from the outside looking in, it looked like an extremely successful event. I'll let you take over from here, man. Tell us a little bit about it. What happened? It was great, Luke. Steve Stites, my partner, and I had a you know a, a wonderful, wonderful experience from a promoter standpoint. Uh, really good weather. We got some rain here, there overnight into the morning, and maybe a little sprinkle or two. I don't ever remember anything stopping us for more than about 10 minutes outside of uh, Thursday evening shut down at five cars. But the crowd was very excited to be there. The racing was great. 
the staff, both ours and Bristol's, did a phenomenal job. You know, as it was really probably the smoothest WFC we've ever had. A really good car count. Had 297 Friday, 301 Saturday, and 307 Sunday. And and I've always said, told anybody, anytime the the Sunday is your highest car count, things are going well. People people aren't breaking. People aren't getting mad, and they're they're sticking around, and more's coming. So that's a really good thing. And uh, just you know, want to thank all the racers and sponsors and staff members for a job well done. They they really made the event wonderful. Started out Thursday with um, a test and tune in our Thursday night gamblers race, which was finished Friday morning during the time trial. We got to five cars and got rain and shut us down. But Friday morning, uh, Jamie Holston uh, took the win over Tony Matera, a couple of really tough foot breakers and. Jamie, uh, Jamie, come out the victor there was a was really uh, emotional and fun celebration with him in the winner's circle. Friday's 10K was won by one of the older guys, one of the more experienced guys, Roger Bridges. Um, you know, a guy that's uh, no spring chicken, but a uh, really talented foot brake racer. Got the win over John Rollins. I know you know John and have raced a little NHRA stuff with him. It was his WFC debut. Said he wanted to be there all 11 years, just never worked out, and finally did, and he. Go straight to the final of a 10K on Friday night. That's the way to make the most of it, huh? Not too bad. Not too bad at all, especially for a guy that made two foot brake laps to practice up and get ready. He's a super <laughs> street and super pro guy, but uh, he said he made two hits and was 30 and 40 and said, let's go do it. Let's go see what we got. So That's awesome. It, now, where is yep. Roger from? Roger is from, um, if I remember right, Virginia. Okay, I, I saw that Jeff Verde had shared the post, so I figured he was from that area. But I, I know I've seen him race yeah. before, but wasn't completely familiar with where he was coming out of. After the 10K on Friday, Luke, we uh, we get to have another gamblers race. We had our Friday night gamblers, and um, that was a lot of fun. We uh, got to see Josh Green get the win over Adam Davis in uh, a beautiful Chevy 2 battle. Uh, both of those cars are really, really nice, as you know. and uh, Josh collected the win there over AD. And Saturday was the big day, 20K. It was, uh, you know, the atmosphere was really, really good. You could just tell people were excited to be foot brake racing for that kind of money. And it was uh, kind of a perfect day. It went really smooth. And we finished it up about quarter to nine, which was nice. Get everybody into bed early. And uh, a guy that's had a Already had a great year, and, and he's still got a lot of big money racing left on the back half. But Nick Hastings got the win. Unbelievable. I mean, the guy's just so talented. And he got the win over Chad Dotson, uh, my good buddy Chad. They they call him Lizard on uh, drag race results. But really good racing on Saturday, and Nick was, uh, again, emotional in the winter circle, which, you know, from a promoter standpoint, when you're standing there, I'm also the the guy that does the interviews, so I get to feel that emotion with them. And from a promoter standpoint, it just makes you feel like you mission accomplished. You created something special when racers are showing emotion in the winter circle, especially a guy that's won what Nick has won. So, congratulations, to Nick, uh, on I getting saw there. Some some comments from his winter circle video or interview, I should say, but I didn't actually get to see it. What was said? Well, he had uh, had his family, had his mom there with him, had his children and his better half. I think that's fairly rare for Nick to to get to have that much family there with him. And just I guess it just brought out some emotion that uh, he's not not used to having them there. So 
he was very appreciative, very thankful. He's a he's a humble young man, super talented, and um, it was it was a really cool moment to be there and share it with him. And my buddy Chad Dotson, he's a winner too, but uh, come up short. But a really good day for him. I was proud to see Chad make the final as well. Very cool. Then uh, Sunday moved into the uh, final 10K, the final Yukon Gear and Axle uh, 10K that we had for the weekend, and. This was quite a day at, uh, again, perfect weather, really low humidity, so everybody was enjoying themselves. It was our highest car count of the weekend, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, when you looked across the crowd there, Luke, you you know, I could have picked out 25, 30, 45 winners that, that I thought might make it, but never would I have picked a, a Nova on nine-inch slicks going 805. Right. But <laughs> Brandon Waller. Uh, took his Nova to the final and got the win over Billy Janicek. Billy's a guy from Texas that drove 1,134 miles. I don't know if you know where Pflugerville, Texas is. starts with a P, mm-hmm. by the way. But it's 1,134 miles from I Bristol. I don't know exactly where Pflugerville, Texas is. I know that it's not close to Bristol, Tennessee. It is not. Amarillo was our long-distance award uh, by Matt Diamond, and it was 1,226. And Billy was, you know, 90 miles or so. Uh, inside of that so long long trip paid off for him as he made a 10k final brandon waller taking the win uh, a funny uh, yeah, winter circle to, interview to, to make sure that this didn't go by i just saw a picture that you had posted from the uh, from the final round that needs a little bit of explanation so <laughs> yeah, I, did, uh, I did post now i got home about 1 for 30 1 130 about the same time you did monday morning and I was wore out, and I had to be at work at 6.30, so I was ready to go to bed. But I couldn't let it get by me without posting this. Uh, Brandon's brother, and I believe his name's Brady, if I remember right. But sometime during the late night, Saturday night, they were having a pretty good time into Sunday morning. Brandon, I believe, was telling his brother that, you know, I'm pretty much going to go out there and kick everybody's tail tomorrow. Uh, you can just go on and count on it. And his brother, little brother that is, basically made a bet that, tell you what, you make the final, I will stand in my underwear and my boxers only (laughs) while you burn out and you go make your run. So, you know, it was a lot of fun and games in that, but. It's all behold, fun and games until eight rounds later. <laughs> <laughs> the round started clicking off. The round wins did, and uh, he held true to his promise when Big Brother made the final. Uh, and I did post that picture. You can find that on the World Foot Braid Challenge Facebook page. But uh, it was really, really fun moment and uh, a great winner's uh, great final run to watch, especially with his brother there in the background. And then the winner's circle interview was one of the funniest I've been a part of. So. It was a really good time, great event, and uh, just couldn't be more thankful for everybody that helped make it what it is. Fortunately for Brady, you said, and and, so. and probably to some extent, maybe fortunately for most of the World Footbreak Challenge field, his brother won on Sunday. You know, bracket races <laughs> yeah. are late on Sunday. I would assume yeah. that the, a, a vast majority of the uh, the participants were no longer at the facility. But uh, yes, you are correct. But uh, the Motor Mania TV live feed was still mm, kicking. Yeah, you, you gotta hate that. <laughs> he was he was live on the interweb net, uh, right there in his drawers. But it was a good time. Good for him for holding true to his promise. Now, there's always beyond the results. Like especially, I think when you. Uh, 
when you're involved in uh, race promotion, putting on the race, there's always something uh, entertaining that happens behind the scene. We hadn't talked about this. I'm putting you on the spot, but give me uh, give me one good story from this year's World Footbrake Challenge that would never otherwise get out. Well, you know, the, the story for me that I loved the most, and it was actually two people that it happened to, I'm, I'm a hard luck guy. I like the hard luck stories. And Josh Green had a tremendous amount of bad luck. And I don't know if you saw it, saw it playing out on Facebook, but a uh, motorhome tore up. I don't know. I mean, I, he was searching for push rods and wasn't going to make it. You know, he's double entered, just not going to get there. It's his son Chase's favorite race of the year. He gets to hang out with his buddies and they're just a wreck. And he finally gave up. He's got a, a diesel pusher and a stacker. He finally gave up sometime into late Friday, Thursday night into early Friday morning, threw it on a rollback. He uh, owns a record business, so he threw it on a rollback and brought it and squeezed it in a golf cart. They were about touching each other and uh, made his way to Bristol on it and then got the, you know, the gambler's win on uh, uh, Friday night. So it was kind of paid off. But Lucas Burks is the guy that really showed the most fortitude to make it. He come from Pennsylvania young man broke down his tow vehicle broke down somewhere in virginia he went and rented a truck from whomever and they they fixed him all up and by the time he's getting ready to go you know he's like oh, i need to where's the hitch you know i gotta get this gotta get my trailer oh, to no. bristol they said well no we don't allow you to pull anything with our truck so he's already rented it he's got to have a truck of some kind because he's got to haul some things in the bed of it so he goes on and takes the truck, hires a wrecker to bring his car on the rest of the way from wherever he broke down in Virginia to Bristol. Right. He got it in the gate. He has to get his transmission repaired in Virginia. He can't haul his car with it, so he's got to, if I remember the story right, he's got to drive the truck all the way back home to Pennsylvania, wait on him to fix his truck. Oh my. Come back to Virginia, get his truck, come back to Bristol, get his race car, and then drive it all the way back home to Pennsylvania. At most any point in that process, early, I give up, and I just rent me something and go home and just try to figure it out. But this young man showed way more fortitude than I got and uh, made it to the race and competed and he's going through all the the pure heck that it's going to be to to get his racing operation back home so shout out to him that was a it was a cool story for me scott lemon needs to sign this guy up he needs an on the road column <laughs> that sounds way too familiar yeah yeah it does he does need an on the road column but all in all great time man really really good time Good, good. Glad to hear it. I uh, I don't even have the the ten tuck results in front of me, but I know that there was three ten granders in Bowling Green, one of the longest running, most historic events, and I know at least one day one of your good buddies got the win. I'm sure you want to give a shout out. I do, and I don't want to single him out and not cover all the other winners, but you know we really don't have that information. There's not a whole lot of time, but uh, it was his first big win, and it's a young man that uh, that races really well back home, and it's a some of my best friends on earth, my team bad guys, uh, teammates, Larry Martin's son, Christopher Martin, got a huge win on Friday, started his weekend out with a 10 grand win, and uh, they had tremendous trouble 
with the car prior to round one and was ready to throw in the towel themselves and battled through it and see Christopher get the win there was uh, was really exciting for me. They were texting me and let me know how that went. So shout out to Christopher. Great job. I, I do know he got by Mikey Bloomfield in the final, and uh, that's about all I know because anybody that's ever promoted a race knows the last thing you're doing is finding race results during that. It's plenty of work, so I apologize that I don't have more info, but I got great you, to see my buddy. I've just pulled it up. Other winners from the weekend. Uh, oh, cool. Friday's Big Bucks, Chris Martin. Little Bucks, Cody McDaniel. Saturday, Big Bucks, John LaBoose Sr. Big Caboose getting it done. Wow. Uh, Little Bucks, Ryan Richardson. And uh, Sunday's final event saw Chris Stein take down the $10,000 win. So quick shout out to the winners since we, uh, yep. while we touched on some 10 Tuck stuff. And um, all right, so outside of uh, the All-Stars, outside of Bristol, outside of Bowling Green, uh, we'll circle back now to Joliet and the NHRA Route 66 Nationals, the actual standard national event that uh, well, t- took place from Thursday through Sunday, obviously culminated Sunday. Lots of big stories from up there. I, I think most of what the racing world is talking about today, David Rampey got his 95th NHRA National Event win. Dan wow. Fletcher got his 100th NHRA National Event win. Uh, first true sportsman racer. I'm gonna sorry Frank Manzo. I'm gonna say that Fletcher's the first person to get to 100 that had to win more than four rounds every time. Okay. Yeah. Unbelievable accomplishment. Like we'll talk a little bit more throughout the episode and try to put that in, into perspective. But the best way that I can put that in some sort of perspective is. Jed, I'm, I've been doing this as long as I can remember. Like I, I've, I've been racing since I was 16 years old, been basically making a living at it for 15 years. There was a time when I didn't do anything but bracket race. But early in my career, I went to a lot of NHRA national events. And for the last eight years, I've gone to probably six NHRA national events a year. Bottom line, I feel like I've been doing this my whole life. I don't think... I'm pretty confident in saying I, I, I have not attended 100 NHRA national events. Mm. Dan Fletcher has won 100 NHRA national events. It's yeah, so very impressive. unbelievable. And we'll have him on. We'll have him on later in the show. We'll, we'll talk to him all about it. Rampy got 95. Fletcher got 100. I doubled up. Uh, I won Super Comp, Super Gas. We've talked a lot about double ups throughout the year and how this seems Crazy. to be the year of the double. I was the fifth driver of the season to double, which uh, is more than in any past season, which is, and we're in July. Um, so yep. odds are it'll happen again. Pretty crazy stuff. Obviously a huge weekend for me. I believe I'm the 25th different driver to double at an NHRA national event. As far as I know, I meant to look this up so I didn't misspeak. I think it's the first time that it's happened at Chicago. And if you were to like pick an event, to say that it never happened at, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but like that'd be a long shot outside of Indy. And I know it's never happened at Indy. Indy's a, a race in and of itself because not only are the best of the best converging in one facility, like Indy's a marathon, man. You got elimination spread over four or five days, like to double there. And I know Scotty was close. I know Scotty won and runner it up. I think Rampy won and runner it up one year as well. But that would be the ultimate. But the next best thing or the next toughest race, I think, would be to do it at Joliet just because you've got the All-Stars. You've got a lot of great racers from all across the country. Like the odds of having that fall into place are really long. And um, yes, to, to happen for me, pretty incredible, man. I, I'm kind of at a loss for words. 
Well, um, you know, Luke, obviously, again, I hate to, I hate to blow smoke up your skirt because I know that you don't want it and it's not what the show is about, but um, you're one of the best in the sport and no surprise to anybody that you doubled up, but talking to you about how it played out, it was pretty interesting um, that, you know, it wasn't like what you expect out of yourself from a dominant standpoint. You drove really, really well and made the right decisions, but you had a break or two in there, admittedly, and uh, it was it was something that you needed, but to double up in those classes with the field that you were facing, especially your final round opponents, mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, that has to feel so special. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible, and and like I told you, like in my dragster and super comp, really all season, but particularly at Chicago, like I feel as unbeatable as you can feel in an event like that, like knowing that you feel like you're the man and you've got the best stuff there and you're probably going to get beat. You know what I mean? Like that's just yeah. like somebody's going to lay down sub ten at some point, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. But like I, it was flawless it's been flawless since i put it together and i drove really good i think my window on the tree was like six thousand in eliminations like i i don't expect any more of myself than that my corvette on the other hand i have been fighting with that combination most of the year i'm actually closer um but it was not printing off the time slips that you would normally expect to win a national event and it just you know how everything has to fall in place as reinhardt says it's a right place right time kind of sport I, i got Two red lights and one opponent broke against me. So that's half the rounds. Obviously got some breaks and red lights aren't that common in super gas. So that's pretty rare. The other three, I drove great twice and needed to because I wasn't going where I thought I was going. And then in the final, I, it looks pretty good on paper, I guess. I was perfect on the tree. I had no idea that I could be perfect on the tree. Um, actually had zero in the delay box, which is not something I'm comfortable with. Like I always leave a thousandth in there just because... You just, you just gotta have something. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but it was for what, again, uh, a lot of it combination based. And I thought it was a little bit loose there. I had zero in the delay box for probably the last three rounds, four rounds, something like that. And, uh, I hadn't been better than 008. And, um, some cloud cover came over before the final. I thought, well, that can't do nothing but help me because I ain't got a prayer going red and come up perfect so there's probably a little bit of adrenaline involved there sure (laughs) second final at that point and running mike sawyer knowing you got to be good but regardless didn't see didn't think i could be perfect and didn't see that i had the starting line advantage so made the decision to get behind um which when you're perfect on the tree is usually not a good move um you're kind of supposed to take the finish line at that point (laughs) Uh, but again it worked out mike went 89 uh, i was a little bit slower than i thought dropped to 93 one of those that you're probably not supposed to get away with but uh, when you're on a a heater like i've been on seemingly all year you get away with that stuff and i'm not going to argue with that a bit so (laughs) i know it's not uh, wasn't supposed to be part of the show but just briefly we know your charlie stewart race cars super gas corvette is a phenomenal piece of equipment and it's as good as any out there what do you attribute some inconsistencies to is it just a the throttle stop setup some jetting what what is it it's pretty deep down a rabbit hole to be completely honest what i've um fought with the majority of the year is a um an inconsistency and just kind of a laziness when the motor comes off the throttle stop like it just lays in the converter for like two or three seconds and obviously when it's doing that it's not efficient it's not building rpm it's not making power and it's very susceptible to like minor air or wind changes like it's just very hard to dial um yeah. at 
as you know, at, at Bowling Green at the Sports Nationals, I hurt that motor. It went back to Huntsville engine. We actually went like a completely different direction on the camshaft with it in an effort to get that out. And we did. Now, from the time that it kicks off the throttle stop to the finish line, it builds RPM, it runs more speed, it seems to be much more predictable. But suddenly, what has not been a problem for the whole time that I've owned the car, like it's always repeated to 60 foot, and then I struggle after that. Um, Now that I have the other 1,250 feet of the racetrack seemingly figured out, it's just all over the map to 60 foot. Um, And I don't think it's a traction issue. I, I, I think it has something to do with Either it's not shifting consistently or something is not happy in the transmission converter combination. But And I'm not like trying to exaggerate. It moved 800s to 60 foot in eliminations. It's not what you want. So I've got some work to do there. And again, things fairly fell into place for me. But I've got some homework to do before I go try to run another national event with it. (laughs) I'm sure you'll figure it out. I hope so. I hope so. But. Fun weekend, and just, just I, I don't intend to ever make this the Luke Bogacki Motorsports podcast, so if we're talking about this for too long, I apologize. But the one thing that I do will say, because it's really personal for me, as you know, and as I've said before, like I'm not going to do this at this level a whole lot longer. And it's funny because, like as I've told you, like I kind of made my goals a couple, three years ago, and basically now I've checked off every one of them. The one that was lacking, you know, the big accomplishment was to double up at an NHRA national event. And I had honestly just kind of accepted the fact that it probably wouldn't happen because if it doesn't happen this year, then I'm sure that I'll run more NHRA national events. I'm sure that I'll run two classes in NHRA national events, but I'm not sure that I'll own both the cars. I'm not, and I know, or I feel fairly confident in saying that I will never be as committed to my racing program as I am right now. And probably won't be as good. You know what I mean? All this experience, like, I feel like is culminating right now to have the opportunity to do this. So, but with all of that said, like, never thought it would just fall together, particularly not at an event of that magnitude. Early in the weekend, a friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, Joey Keith, came by. Um, Joey is a, I'll get this wrong, and I meant to look this up. He, I believe he's a, a chaplain for Bracers for Christ, one of those, okay? Uh, but Joey and I actually grew up racing together. Known him for a long time. He uh, administered Jericho Lawrence's funeral. Just a genuinely good dude. And, and again, somebody that I've known forever. And Joey had recently gotten together with Carl Blanton, who we talked about, I think, on two episodes ago when we had Willie on. Um, yep. Carl is the manager at Mocan Dragway. But before that, he uh, edited a magazine called American Drag News that covered racing in the area that I grew up in. Um, that's actually where my on the road column started was in American Drag News with Carl. But Joey and Carl were looking through a bunch of old pictures that Carl had. And Joey brought me a couple of pictures of me and my dad racing my old, my, my first race car, like my 73 Nova that there's actually been some pictures of it floating around on Facebook. Like it was a, oh, cool. it was a, it's one of those, you know, you look back at pictures from 20 years ago and you think, well, it was a different time. And it was. But this car was not a nice car at the time. So it doesn't look like a nice car when you're looking at it today. Like, it was rough, okay? But it's me and my dad, and that's how this whole thing got started. And I just, I don't know, I, I thought about my dad a lot this weekend. And I, um, you know, at most of our listeners, I think, know he, he passed away 16 years ago. Um, yep. But um, I don't know, especially the way that things transpired 
I felt like he was there. You know what I mean? I felt like he was helping sure. me out. And uh, it was just a neat deal. So I just, I don't know, want to share that. Thanks to Joey. Awesome. Um, very cool. And I'm glad that I've got those uh, in my possession. So That is really cool. Thanks for sharing that with all of us, bud. So, all right, let's move on. Um, Allstate update. Um, we didn't discuss the Allstate last week because we were talking about the All-Stars. So let's catch back up. I uh, believe that Britton Galen recently released the roster for the female class. They did. Yes, they did. And before we get started with uh, with a, well, a really impressive list of females, too, you know, in my head, I, I know females can race with anybody. and But it just there's fewer of them out there. But as I look down this list, it's like, wow, I mean, there is a lot of female talent on this list and it's going to be fun to watch as well Mm -hmm. but before we get started i understand that team new york is struggling to find a female representative i know that emily biondo was approached and uh, her and peter have some other obligations and will not be able to make it but uh, if you're from new york or if you know a lot of female talent in new york i'm going to send out a real quick challenge to post to the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page uh, your choice for female representative in New York for the All-State Challenge. We need some names to choose from. I think they're struggling to find somebody. Maybe they just hadn't reached the right person. So just struggling to find somebody willing to make the journey from New York to Memphis, right. I would assume, right? We'll have to ask, uh, right. ask Fletcher about that when we have him on. Yep. So post that to our Facebook page and uh, your choice there, who you think it be it should be, and uh, and let's see how it works out. See if we can get them a great female representative to make the trip. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of notes from the All-State Challenge and the Great American Bracket Race. Uh, one is that JEGS will be the title sponsor for the Motor Media TV live feed from the event. So shout out to JEGS and the guys in yellow and black getting involved as they seem to have their hands in everything sportsman racing. They do. They were a big supporter of the WFC as well, and those guys, I know they support you and a lot of other races. So thank you, Jigs, for all you do for us. And those that can't make the trip to uh, Memphis are going to enjoy that Motor Mania live TV feed. And uh, Patterson and Elite Performance, uh, Elite Motorsports, is uh, the Sunday 10K sponsor. So uh, some guys that uh, have some sportsman roots and have moved big-time, big-time racing and uh get putting some money back into sportsman racing making sure that they help keep this event rolling as a 10k sponsor on sunday so appreciate those guys as well absolutely all right without further ado um jed why don't you uh read us off this roster for the ladies all right the female competitors in the all-state challenge uh my alabama slammers is rachel henderson racing rachel what we call her arkansas is madison yates meadows Madison, another tough female racer. California has not yet named their uh, competitor. Florida is Marie Muller. I watched uh, Marie in action at Darlington last year, and she was very impressive. And I saw she that uh, she had a good run at the Winter Series, too. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just uh, no. jumped out at me. No, well said. She is uh, very talented, as are a lot of the names on this list, if not all. Uh, Georgia is Amber Cree. Amber, um, she's uh, another very good racer, runs a lot at Reynolds and Montgomery. Uh, Illinois, your team, Illinois, is uh, someone that that uh, you share a life with. Luke, Miss Jessica Bogacki, and I know Jessica's fired up, and I know you're fired up to watch her. Go team. <laughs> Indiana is Stacy Gerald. 
Uh, Kentucky is uh, Josh Baker's wife, Erica Baker. Uh, Louisiana is Dr. Brittany Ezel. She's cracked me uh, in a final of a big race before, dropped me on my head. She's a driver. She doesn't just make time shots. She's a driver. Maryland is a very talented Chelsea Spence, uh, Bobby's wife. Those of you know Bobby and Chelsea. Uh, Mississippi is Rachel Valentine. New Jersey has yet to name their competitor, as uh, we mentioned earlier. New York has yet to name theirs. Um, North Carolina is Lauren Freer. You know Lauren. You've raced a lot with her, Luke. Mm-hmm. Very talented. Ohio is Jessica Arnold. Jessica, another great female racer. Oklahoma is Lori Story, which I love the name. That'd be a top 10 name for me, regardless. If your name rhymes, if you're first and your last, it's it's home run. She definitely upgraded on the name. When I knew her, she was Lori Zellner. But Lori Story does have a nice ring to it. Lori Story is awesome. <laughs> uh, South Carolina is uh, Brooke Gary, which some may know her as Brooke Hall, but she's now Brooke Gary. Uh, Tennessee is uh, Leah Hubbard. Texas, no surprise here, Cassie Pennington. Virginia is Megan Lotz. Uh, Kansas, Rachel Smith. Michigan is Terry Bauman. Pennsylvania has um, a very strong competitor in Miss Mia Tedesco. Missouri has yet to name their female racer. Uh, Iowa is Alex Reese is what I'm going with. R-I-S-S-E should be Reese. Making me hungry. Nebraska is Rhonda Moody. Uh, Ontario, Canada has chosen Laura Shepard. No surprise there. Minnesota, no surprise as well. Jenna Janke. Uh, South Dakota has yet to name theirs. And Wisconsin will wrap it up with Mary Lee Moses. So uh, a tough, tough group of female racers there. And um, I know each one of them have a lot of confidence and each one of them have done their share of winning so it'll be fun to watch the females compete jed we hadn't talked about this at all but i don't know like i i'm a i tend to listen to sports radio um when i'm in the shop and within the last couple of weeks i got jessica's car done like i spent a lot of time in the shop uh, this beautiful a, by the way thank you this has been a a couple of weeks ago now but one of the hot topics was the this controversy between uh serena williams and john McEnroe. yes and how john McEnroe had said something along the lines of you know she's the best female uh tennis star ever and the uh, interviewer asked well why do you preface it with female is she not the best tennis player ever and McEnroe took that like in a very literal sense and said well she wouldn't be ranked in the top whatever 300 or something like 700 I think. yeah okay so like there's obviously some um like physicality involved in the sport of tennis that makes that so you know like what he said probably isn't wrong you know there's 700 men that put serena Williams probably wouldn't beat um whether or not you think she's the greatest champion in tennis that's a little bit different discussion but it sure. just got me to thinking like i don't feel like there are any like physical limitations in the sport of racing like i i look through this list and i just i don't think of these as great female racers like i think of these names as great racers and you know as much a competitor to us as the guy in the other lane you know what i mean did did you i assume you feel the same way absolutely yeah i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't look across at any of these uh, ladies and think I'm going to win because it's a lady. I mean, sure. if anything, it may intimidate you more than a, 
and the average guy racer. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That was uh, very well said. Yeah, and I just like I think you know when you have that conversation or whatever, it was like you know, the greatest of all time or the best racer in, right now. Like it doesn't seem like there's often like women that come to the forefront in that conversation. But I think that at least in my mind, like there's no particular reason for that. It's just kind of a numbers thing. Like there are a lot more male racers than there are female racers. Sure. Uh, and I don't know, like, I don't know the point that I'm trying to make there, but I, I don't, I, I feel as though we're all on a very level playing field, uh, probably different than just about any sport that I can really think of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, uh, I understand fully what you're saying. Um, if, if some of these names don't seem as mainstream to you, to the winner's circle, uh, it's simply because they're outnumbered, uh, on odds, um, nothing more, nothing less. They're as talented as most anybody at the racetrack. So if, uh, if you took these, whatever, 30, 32 females, that's going to be in a race and put 32 males against them. Um, there's absolutely zero reason why the, the females wouldn't dominate it, especially the list that we're looking at. So, um, all right. So every week we do most accomplished, hottest and a pick to win. So of this group, seeing as she is the defending NHRA world champion, is Mia Tedesco the most accomplished? Yeah, I feel like Mia's got to have uh, that title for sure. Who uh, would you say has been hottest over the course of maybe 2017 or the last calendar year? The last calendar year, as I look across the list, is tough for me, but I would feel like it's either either Erica Baker or Brittany Ezel. Yeah, those two came to mind, and I'd put Cassie in that discussion as well, Cassie Pennington. Cassie, yes, absolutely. And I, mean, I guess it'd be hard to argue with Mia as well, but seeing as we picked her for uh, most accomplished, I don't want to just say it's a Mia route, but one of those four, probably the, the most yeah. successful uh, of recent. Um, what stands out with you? If you had to pick one today, who are you going with? Okay, so I will skip my teammate, Racing Rachel, and for the show's sake, I will skip Jessica. I know Jessica is going to be very prepared, and she's going to have probably the best whip she's had under her uh, in her racing career, and along with your help, I think gives her a, a fair advantage on a lot of people. So She might I'm, argue with you occasionally on how much of an advantage my help is. but <laughs> <laughs> So I am going to uh, – what am I picking here? Am I picking who I think is going to get it done? Yeah, your pick to win it. My pick to win it, uh, if if neither of the two earlier mentioned racers get it done, is going to be Brittany Ezel. That's hard to bet against. Um, this is funny. Like I don't know. I don't want to take anything away from the. Uh, I think it would be Ohio representative Jessica Arnold. Like to me, the the best female driver that I've ever seen or raced against a good bit is uh, Kendra Reinschild. Like, she's awesome in that, like, she runs a bunch of NHRA super comp. Like, I, I, I assume that she has a bracket racing background like most NHRA super comp racers do. But, like, she's one that is very difficult to race against because, like, she can pull any club out of the bag. Like, I think she's won a division championship. Like, she's awesome. Um, so, it, it, this discussion came up a couple of weeks ago. Like, who is the best female racer? That's who came to mind for me. Um, yep. But let's see, this field, this field, this field. I, I like, uh, like I say, maybe I just caught her on a good weekend. Marie Muller was awesome the one time that I saw her race. Um, 
go with her. Again, same deal. I'm going to exclude my wife. Obviously, she's always my pick to win, and I think she has a great chance uh, to get it done anytime she stages and in this event. Sure. Uh, okay. I think Marie's too obvious. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick. No, I'm not. I'm going to go with Marie Muller. I like Marie. That's a really good choice. Marie is very talented, and she makes good laps. And, and I should have mentioned her old man beats the heck out of me every time that I run him. So she's <laughs> learning from uh, maybe not a household name, but she's learning from one of the best. So, And I should have said, since we share a name that uh, Cassie, I, I would not pick Cassie because it would look like some kind of home cooking because we have the same last name. But, uh, <laughs> Cassie's going to be hard to beat, too. As, I mean, any of them are. What is goodness. it Willie said? No relation. <laughs> yeah no relation for sure they got all the money and the good looks <laughs> you want to make it in a song to do the justin lamb win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam you do the kevin brandon lay the smack across the land then you do the l ride and you come out like the world champ you've been waiting all winter Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own Luke Bogacki. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it. They can take care of you. Visit online at RacingRVs.com. In addition to Racing RVs, this week's podcast is presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. This Is Bracket Racing Elite is an exclusive group of racers whom I work with individually on all facets of drag racing. What do you get as an elite member? Well, for starters, unlimited access to all of the trainings on thisisbracketracing.com, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. In addition, elite members are part of an exclusive community. We share results. We give each other feedback all on a weekly basis. The community also includes regular trainings from me, live chats, which we discuss topics and questions from group members, and weekly challenges, which are typically, but not always, uh, practice tree related to keep our members on point. I personally attribute a lot of my recent success to This Is Bracket Racing Elite. And our members have been killing it on the track as well. To learn more, check out the link on the thisisbracketracing.com homepage or message me directly. Today's guest needs little introduction. He is a Churchville, New York resident, and he has been racing full-time since the mid-90s. He's fresh off winning his 100th NHRA national event at the Route 66 Nationals, which leaves him second only to Frank Manzo in Sportsman National Event wins. He has won national events in six different categories, which is an incredible accomplishment in itself. Please welcome three-time NHRA national champion, Dan Fletcher. Dan, how you doing today? Oh, I'm hanging in there, my friend. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. I'm proud to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm sure uh, you have been inundated with requests over the last couple of days, so thank you for making a little bit of time with us for us here Absolutely. on the uh, Sports no. Racing Podcast. 
no worries. This is probably better than all of them. So I'm, I'm glad you'd have me on. <laughs> well, thank you. Dan, first question, just where it all started. Take us back to event win number one. I, I mean, out of 100, I would assume you still remember it because it had to be very special. But give us the year, the class, the location of event number one. Honestly, event number one win is probably the one I might remember the most. I mean, not all of them. It was Columbus, sure. 1994. I had, you know, <laughs> I remember real, real well. I had my dad's old, my father has passed away at that point, but I had my dad's old rickety teeny trailer that had the corrugated sides, one of the very first ones they made, yeah. ramps, you know, with barn doors and ramps. <laughs> and I had an orange Camaro, you know, and it was me and my wife and, my dad's Dodge 77 Dodge van that I still have today that I hope to, uh, restore a one point for him. And, uh, it was, uh, 1994 and I ran Greg Stanfield in the final. He was, uh, obviously an accomplished racer and champion and whatever. And, you know, I was just a little bracket racer guy that was trying to super sack stuff. And, uh, he turned a red for me in the final. I do remember that I was 008 or 508 at the time. I won that race and we didn't have no money. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, we weren't family of means or anything like that. You know, after that, I, you know, back in the day when you won, <laughs> dude, that's sad and pathetic. Back in the day, I could win almost $20,000. Now it's only like 10, but that's just what it is. So I had some money and I worked at Xerox and whatever. And, I sent, sent my, my rig out to the Western Swing. I had a couple of friends drive it that weren't even like great friends of mine. They were acquaintances or friends of my wife and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And in retrospect, I don't know what the hell I was possibly thinking. I mean, I sent these guys <laughs> off. Dude, seriously. I mean, I didn't really know these guys. They'd never towed a trailer before. Yeah, go ahead. I'll be, I'll see you out there. See you in Denver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this will work out good. <laughs> off they went, you know, and they got there somehow. And, uh, and I used on out the there and, uh, the swing? it is, that's how it all started, bro. I mean, I, again, dude, I, I, we didn't have any money, you know, I mean, I got lucky and, and won, got some bank, you know, and, and then, you know, went into the, the high dollar room and friggin' won Denver, won Sonoma, won Seattle. And all of a sudden now you're sitting on to me, just the, the train load of money, you know, I mean, I mean, it was <laughs> something you'd never dream of possibly happening. And, yeah, I mean, car wasn't real fast at that point. It ran decent, but it wasn't real fast. Came back, and the thing was worn out at that point. And went to uh, Gary Howler's shop, who I hadn't ever done business with before, and bought a used Brad Huntsbury, Harry Huntsbury motor, and went to Indy and qualified in Indy, which I was just thrilled with that. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just, dude, it's just, it's the... The quintessential store, someone walking in, getting a bank, you know, with a little bit of money, hitting a couple bets, getting a bankroll, and then just running with it. I mean, that's all this whole deal's been, you know? That's awesome. And Very what, cool. Like, what was the timeline on that? When was the Columbus event in those days? It was in June, I believe. Oh, so it was pretty it was quickly in- after that, headed west. Yeah. Dude, I distinctly remember pulling out of the track because... We had dad's van and we had, it was 94. So Timothy was born at that point. We had two boys. My daughter wasn't born yet. And we had to stay in a hotel, obviously, didn't have a motor home. So I think we won Sunday night, stayed in a hotel. 
went back at the trailer in the morning and I remember, you know, like pulling out and calling my, the pen. I was a technician, a mechanical tech at Xerox, calling the engineer I worked, telling him I was, wasn't going to be there and him starting to get into my ass about it. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> I just won my first race, you know, give me a break, give me back up, back up. <laughs> But and it was right then, it was a game of huh? <laughs> yeah yeah. The seed was probably playing. There was a lot of times. <laughs> there was a lot of times that truck rolled back there at you know five in the morning, make my wife and kids sleep in the parking lot until I could come out at lunchtime and take them home. I mean that was you know I mean you guys know the deal. That's the way it is. You know. Yeah. That's awesome. Take us through um, this weekend a little bit, Dan. Obviously, you're you're big 100th win came in super street at chicago i believe it's the first time you'd won in the nova correct yeah well it's actually the first time i'd raced in nova really no <laughs> i mean kidding. i'd driven it well i'd made i'd made a few runs locally for wow. my kid when i first built it for him you know <laughs> and the last time i drove the thing was probably three four years ago and i had a problem i was trying to figure it out you know just on a test night at the local track you know but but I no, it's a good car. You know, I mean, we build it for Timothy, and he bracket races it, runs a little super street with it, and you know, car really runs good. I mean, it's just a basically a stocker rear suspension, you know, caliber bars, whatever nine inch tire, and it goes uh, you know, you know, nine. It's it's gone nine, probably high nine fifties. We call it nine seventy on average. Mm-hmm. Brian Tilberg, my engine guy, built it. It's just a. Uh, 427 short block with AFR heads, you know, I mean, runs, runs pretty good, you know, just, you know, I mean, it, dude, from, from the first run to the last run, the car ran real well. And by accident, somehow I hit the tree decent and, you know, it all worked out. That's what it takes. Now, meanwhile, while that was going on, uh, I assume most of our listeners know this, but both of your boys had big weekends as well, not across the country, but a ways away from Chicago in uh, at an I-Tri race in Pittsburgh. What was kind of the timeline yep. like of you obviously concentrating on your racing and doing what you needed to do, but keeping up with what they're doing over there and, and then to have it all come together? You guys got four wins over the weekend? Is that right? Yeah, three wins and a runner-up. That was awesome. That was, they did great. So maddening, dude, when you're when you aren't there, when your kids are racing. I mean, fortunately, this they had no problems so i didn't have to you know didn't have to fix something from a thousand miles away (laughs) um but that happens plenty believe me but they were in pittsburgh running the two 69 camaros in stock and super stock thomas had my dad's car and timbo's in my car my what i call my car because it's my car (laughs) you know it's one i've had since i was 15 so Timbo won the Saturday race and run it up on Sunday. And then Thomas won the Sunday race in Superstock. So maddening, dude. I mean, it's awesome. The IHRA stuff they put on Motor Mania and what have you. Mm-hmm. Well, they used to. But it was kind of on Motor Mania. But then it went to ESPN3. And someone changed my password to my Time Warner Spectrum account. I couldn't get on ESPN3. And I'm I'm trying to watch. And I couldn't. And, yet, you know, blah, 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 whatever. But. It's so fun when I've gone racing those live broadcasts, you know, on Motor Mania, whatever, at the IHRA stuff when they're there or the bracket race things that might broadcast. It's so bitching when you can be in the motorhome, like in the morning, whatever, when I'm not going doing anything and I can watch them racing. It's so much fun. That's great. But no, they worked out good. They ran, ran good. Cars ran good. They drove adequately and, and turned on some. Got some electricity, as the kids say, and it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it had to be awesome. 
then, oh, dude, it was great. <laughs> back to you, national event wins in six different categories, which is an amazing feat in its in its own right. And you've won in comp, you've won in super stock, stock, both super gas and super comp, and of course super street. Very recently, who's there. Kurt a, who's Kurt A driving super comp? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, you you won in Luke's car. That's correct. No, 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 that's not correct. He won. No, it's Jessica's, Jessica's car. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's Reinhardt. It's Reinhardt always says. <laughs> you, you beat Luke's car. I remember that. Yeah, he did that. He had no trouble with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so doing that in six different categories, and I know you're a guy that that probably has a good quick answer for this. But if there is a seventh class to add, what will it be? Well, I keep on trying. To uh, talk honestly, dude, I keep trying to talk the uh, comp car guy, Rick Braun in California, into doing Top Sportsman. I mean, to me, that looks like a fun class, and I'm not going to say overly winnable, but, I mean, a lot of those guys are kind of comp car guys almost, that they're worried about their cars and this and that. And I mean, they're really good drivers, but I I think there's an opportunity there. I'd, I'd really like to do Top Sportsman, you know, but he just... I mean, he's a really good guy. Don't get me wrong, but he's a, a, a dyed-in-the-wool comp car guy, and yeah. you know, I think he just kind of looks down his nose a little bit at that is like bracket racing, you know. But I would think, dude, that would be so much fun to do that. I would, I would love to give you some top swordsman. Yeah, so. no. From the outside looking in, it looks like. I don't know if half the battle is the right way to put it, but a portion of what it takes to win in top sportsman is going A to B every run. You guys have a car that goes A to B every run. You know what I mean? Like, that makes sense to me. Right on. Right Right on. Absolutely, dude. And I don't mind getting chased, you know, so Mm -hmm. I don't care if, I mean, that's what, at the end of the year at Vegas, you know, I mean, if it was a short field or whatever, and there was only 30 cars and, you know, we can just slide under the minimum dial or maximum dial, whatever you want to call it. I would be all over that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. What about facility-wise? Like, I'm not going to try to ask you to list off all of the national event facilities that you've won at, but are there any current national event facilities on the tour that you haven't won at? Yeah, well, I found that out today, actually. I did the uh, WFO deal with uh, Joe Costello, Mm -hmm. and he told me that uh, McKenna told him, Epping and Norwalk. Virtually the two closest tracks to my house. That's wild. (laughs) Of course, there are two that haven't been on the tour exceptionally long. Yeah, but dude, Epping, I might as well just save the friggin' diesel fuel. I mean, we go there every year and have just great time runs, dude. We are monsters in time runs and then just get cracked first round like it's our job. Just get out. I mean, just terrible. If it makes you feel any better, like the first literally probably eight or nine times I went to Norwalk, like the worst that I ever did was semi and I never won. And I just thought, I'm never going to win at this place. And I, uh, between bracket races and IHRA national events when it was IHRA and NHRA national event, but I did break through a couple of years ago and win Supercom. So I have no doubt that it's coming for you. Well, yeah. God, I hope so. (laughs) Oh my God, dude. We took four cars to Norwalk national event this year. Timothy was in two and I was in two. He was in stock, super stock. I was in super stock, super comp. Super comp, I lost like fourth round. That was my bad. I'm 15, my guy's 22 or something like that, whatever. I just wait a little bit long, grab break, and I'm five thou under. But in stock, Timothy is like fourth round. He's like 10, takes eight, 
and short. He's a thou under. His guy's 17, dead zero. Ooh. So, I mean, we had two chances for a thou to go our way, one run. Timbo's under with a nine. Right. Other man's dead zero. Hmm. My guy, first round in super stock. I'm foot breaking the Copo. And my guy's seven, dead zero. <laughs> and I'm 20 and drop and just not even close. Again, one thou amount, you know, he could be under. And super stock, I think Timbo's guy. Oh, that's right. First round Timbo's a man is triple zero. <laughs> I mean, mm. so we had three losses that a thou changes every one of them. In one run, a thou had two chances to change it. Right. I mean, dude, if it, ain't, if it ain't your way, it ain't your way. It's just the way it is, you know? Yeah. No doubt. Dan, what about you guys? Cars? You guys both know that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's amazing how much can swing on a thousandth, and it just seems to creep up repetitively. <laughs> yeah, it does. What was your lamp in the final super comp? Loop? Yeah, it's uh, air and gas. Perfect. Yeah, and that could that obviously wasn't on purpose. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but it, yeah, your trip, right. your trip zero. I, I thought it was okay. Super gas, your triple zero. Yep, one hour earlier, and okay, yeah, it's yeah, a great day, but ain't. When it's your day, it yeah. drops green, and when it's not, it drops yeah. green. And there ain't much. There, the difference between it is paper thin. Yeah, very dude. That's what I mean. Well, a lot of people understand, but a lot of people don't. I mean, it's almost not. It's not what you do. It's what the other guy does. Like they say at the brackers, how you pull in the lanes. I mean, it's just. It's all on the other guy. You go out there, do your job to the best of your ability. Have a good light, drive right, dial right, do do the right thing, drive with discipline, do it all right. But if you get 20 and the other guy's got 21, well, you lose. They sweep the table, take your money. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Dan, what about cars? You know, we're sure Kevin McKenna has a full breakdown prepared, but do you have any idea how many different race cars you've driven to national event victory? Well, actually, again, this weekend, Reinhardt was asking about that. And I guess now with Timothy's Nova this weekend, that would be number eight. Number eight. Really? Wow. I would have assumed a bigger number uh, than that. Uh, I would have eight. thought it was going to be 20. How <laughs> do you know? Indiv- individual cars? No, just my dad's car and super stock. Mm-hmm. My wow. car and stock. I used to have an injected pile Firebird back in the day, an LT1 deal that somehow I stumbled my way to a few wins with. <laughs> the comp car. I drove Jimmy Ayer's super gas car, Don Davis Corvette to a few wins. That's five. I'm holding out my hand right now. Luke's car Jessica's and the Nova now. And I'm missing Jessica's car. There. No, I'm sorry, Jessica's car. I'm missing one there someplace, but oh, the Copo. Oh, God. Oh, please don't yeah, forget that, that one. one, right? Yes. <laughs> wow. that, that brand new Chevrolet Camaro, Copo Camaro. Yes, that one. Obviously, the, the lion's share in your father's car. Do you have any idea of the number? I'm pretty sure at this point it's 52 or three in my dad's car. Really? Oh, now yeah. Timbo got him. Timbo got him one. So, yeah, Man. I think it's safe to say that that's the winningest car in NHRA history. I'm just a guy digging a ditch, doing a job. But if I'm going <laughs> to brag or be proud of anything, it's that. My father's car, an old back half Camaro that I watched him cut apart using a picnic table and back stands as a jig to hold it together while he put the frame in the thing. I mean, it's been redone since then, but that car that has been there since I was four years old, that is the winningest car in the history of NHRA drive racing. That's and awesome. for that, dude, I How will cool. brag about that. You know? How cool yeah. is that? Right on. Dan, Dan, of the 
hundred wins, is there one win that stands out as your favorite? I mean, it's either the first one, you know, honestly, because that's the one I remember best. And, and not just because we're on the phone or whatever, but driving Luke's car, Jessica's car, whatever, winning Super Comp, that was kind of something I wanted to do. That was really important to me. Mm-hmm. And is, <laughs> I feel sad and pathetic saying this with as much as I race, but I've only doubled one time. But when I doubled in Seattle, that was kind of, you know, I don't know which one, I guess the second one, because <laughs> that's one that finished it. So, <laughs> I mean... Probably, probably that one, but honestly, dude, probably the uh, the very first one. That's the one I remember best. It, it really is. Yeah. On the subject of doubles, didn't you have some crazy record being like eleven times you were in both finals and split every one of them until you doubled? Is that right, dude? I I, I think you're real close. I don't know what the number is, but <laughs> I haven't gone over, and I've only won them both once. I mean, just, oh man, thank God, dude, I'd be swinging from a tree if I'd gone over, but <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, huh? dude, I do remember you. Okay. I, best win you can remember. Okay. Whatever. It might be this one. I remember losing in the semis of both cars. I can oh. tell you when that happened, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, that's about you. Th- you think you're about to get on them twice and okay, this is the time. Hip. Nip. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and for somebody that's uh, dependent on that to put food on the table, again, like you said earlier, dependent on the time frame, you're going from an opportunity to win $40,000 to, what, not getting $1,000? Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, $1,250. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Thanks for coming. <laughs> oh, dude, terrible. And I, I remember one of them specifically was at Bristol, and – it was a deal where it was a rain thing, whatever. And they, then they just hot lapped the sportsman like crazy at the end of the day. And I literally lost like twice in the semis in like six minutes. Oh. I mean, it was just like from oh. everything ahead of you to nothing. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. 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 <laughs> Sorry to make you really, you really a bad. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate you calling. <laughs> we can tell you're over it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot all about it. <laughs> uh, I think oh, uh, I, I feel like I know you well enough to know that even with 100 wins looming, like it's been business as usual. You know, I mean, it's just a, another day and the same challenge as always. Obviously, this is a big thing to check off the resume, whether it was conscious or not. That had to be, you know, this is upcoming. You know, the next one's a big one. With that kind of, at least briefly in the rearview mirror, what's next? I know you said you're, what, 53 years old? You've got other yep. priorities in life. Like, you're probably not going to do this forever. What's on the horizon? Well, for good, bad, or, bad or worse, it appears as though we're going to be signing another uh, couple year contract with Peak, which I'm yeah, truly, right. truly blessed to do that. Well, I mean, you know, there's times where I think I've had enough of this and then there's times where, okay, what else am I going to (laughs) do? You know, when you have an identity in life, I mean, it's what, what defines you. I mean, I'd like to think being a husband and a father is, is obviously what defines you, but my entire life, since I was a little kid, my dad raced checkmate, the car that, you know, the super stock car used to have checkmate on the door as a kid. And we, you know, it's still checky. I mean, that's the car. I mean, Drag racing has defined my entire life from the time I was five years old. I mean, that's all you cared about. 
I mean, I played football and basketball and baseball, but from the time I was 16, you could start racing. I mean, that's all that my life has been about. So it's like sometimes you're frustrated and with seven race cars to maintain at this point, I'm overwhelmed. My friend Bernie Cunningham, you, you know, the stock racer from California, oh, yeah. says you used to be a race car driver. Now you're like a race car builder and maintainer. I mean, <laughs> and it gets to be a bit much, you know, I'm trying to take care of all this stuff. And I feel there's times where I'm just, I tell Don and my wife, dude, I can't do this. You know, I just, I'm, I'm just, it's too much. I can't do it. But you wake up the next morning, you keep digging, dude. You just keep grinding. So what am I going to do? You know, I'm just going to keep digging for now. I mean, it's once you walk away, bro, you walk away. You know, I mean, I got a lot of great sponsors. I mean, Peak and Mickey Thompson, and K&N and Denzo, ATI, VP. Without those companies, I could not do this, dude. You can't win in a – when I left Xerox, I had one orange Camaro – not sponsor dollar one and i had a plan a business model where i thought i could make this work well anymore you can't do that <laughs> that ain't gonna happen <laughs> it just ain't gonna happen so i've got great sponsors and i'm blessed to do it but when you decide to walk away you walk away it's like a an nfl coach who walks away once you decide it's time you walk off well, then if, you know, like a year or two later, well, maybe an NFL coach could just go get another job. I don't believe I can just say, okay, sponsor guys, can you please come back? I'm, I, I, I think I want to come back now. So <laughs> I'm in for a while now, I guess, you know, well, and you're, still, you're still very competitive. I mean, you're, you're ultra competitive. So it makes sense just to, to keep doing it. It's what you do. Yeah. If you're winning I promise you, national I, events I, a year, it's. I think that's a pretty good sign. <laughs> I promise you this much. I will tell you this. I will not be, I could pick a random sport person name, whatever, but I will not be that guy that gets to where he sucks and is embarrassing himself and keeps going out there. If yeah. I don't feel I'm capable of winning every single time I go to the track and then out, <laughs> gone, <laughs> Will yeah. not be that guy. Period. I like it. Yeah, you said it yourself. Half the battle is uh, is showing up. So let's go, dude. For sure it is. <laughs> for sure it is. And what I will tell you, Jed, what I will tell you is that I've gone to these bracket race things, these spring fling things, a couple times, and yeah. I'm not going to say embarrass myself, but pretty much tried to embarrass myself and really might have. I will get better at that, and I will eventually get through one of those things. I promise you. I've, I've well, won a day of Moroso before. I've run it up a day of Braden and back when you used to go to those things. It's a, I thought I could wade back into that world and be competent. And I have not been near as good as what it takes to win. I will get better Dan, at that. Dan, you're my neighbor at the, at the Spring Fling each year. And I pay attention to you you're kind of a, a reserve guy you just kind of hang out over there do your thing and try not to bother you but with all due respect to you you don't bring the conventional tool to the big bracket races either so you're certainly do, far from embarrassing yourself coming up short of a win and those things is is typical of anybody but with what you're trying to do it with it's not always the the typical bullet either yeah, no, I, I mean, I understand I don't have the right tool for the job, 
but I've, I've got another tool out there now. I got a dragster to bring that I'm, I'm going to be bringing in the fall. And I will say this, that I've learned a lot doing that. I mean, not, I mean, it won't translate well to a radio show, so I shouldn't even bother, but just, <laughs> I struggle t- sometimes with button pressure. I mean, in my dad's car in the super stock car, I'll switch back and forth from right hand to left hand. Cause I mean, there'll be times where I know in the right hand, I'm pressing it too hard, whatever. Well, I've taken you in this dragster. I got a dragster. I've driven it through races, you know, here in the last little bit. And now I'm gripping the wheel and just rolling my thumb, whatever. And, and I think that like when I, I went to go out this year and there was a few runs in my dad's car, you know, yes, I'm running the wrong car, slow door car, whatever, but eighth mile bracket racing. I know my spot. I know where to go down. I mean, I, the car ran great and I dropped it dead on a bunch of times, but I was embarrassingly bad. I was 20 a bunch of times. I mean, getting beaten the tree by, you know, over a hundred. And then obviously that's not acceptable. That's not good enough. But in happened in super street, I feel real good about things. And I, I hold the button different. I'm on the wood. I don't know if sitting there at idle is, is playing into my head or something, whatever, but I promise you, I promise you, I won't ever be Johnny LaBoose. I mean, he's great. You know I mean? There's a lot of guys that are great at the top all bracket racing. Luke, I believe you won a lot of money in Vegas this year. I won't ever be as, as good as you are, but I'm going to get better. I promise you, I'm going to get better. I'm sure you will. And uh, just for the listeners, I know you know, but I didn't mean to insinuate that your equipment's inferior, that you have the best no. equipment that, no. out there. No. But uh, it's just no. typical no. of what's winning those races. Of course not. No, dude, I didn't. I don't take it. I mean, listeners might, but I doubt it. But I know that. I realize I'm showing up with a friggin' spoon. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> that, I, I ain't got the right tool. But yeah, I mean, I do put a Holly carburetor on it the last year or so. I'll put a Holly on it, put a loose converter in it. You know, I mean, take the take the uh, micro switch out, put a snap action button in it because digital delay guy says, you know, you can have problems with a micro switch, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, I try and make the best bracket car I can make it, but clearly I'm the slowest car in the field. I mean, so that's <laughs> not going to help, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> so, Dan... I mean, a hundred national event wins uh, and obviously Rambo right behind you there with 95, but outside of anybody named David Rampey, uh, do you think the milestone be reached in, in the pure sportsman classes by anyone else? No, not in sportsman classes. No chance. I mean, and I don't mean in a bad way, sure. but, but no, no chance. I mean, I, no, <laughs> that's exactly absolutely not. I said they're just like you. I was on the WFO podcast earlier today, and that's exactly what I said. Like I, I think that's a the the era of having the opportunity even to do what you've done. I think has right. passed by. Right, I just don't. I don't. Yes, see, yeah, I yeah. think you're going to be on a very, very elite list. I'm sure that David will join you at some point, but outside of that, I cannot yeah. imagine anyone else amassing 100 wins. Like, like you say, that era just for better or worse and whatever. I mean, that, that era is gone, you know, it just, no, not yeah. going to happen. I mean, well, that's what, you know, I feel terrible for my children, for my boys, you know I mean? That they want to be me. They want it. And it's just, I, I'm like, sure. guys, you know, <laughs> you can't be me. You know, it's just, I can't be me. You can't do this anymore. It's not, it's no longer a feasible business model. You cannot do this anymore. I was late. I was late to the party. Mm-hmm. I started, 
professionally in 97. Back in like the mid 80s, when you still could make 18 or 20 grand, Jeff Taylor's just kicking the piss out of everyone. I mean, people were just terrible, <laughs> right? I mean, it was like stealing money, you know? <laughs> Oh, right. Shout out, shout out to Jeff Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was clearly a a time where a man could earn a lot of money doing this. It just isn't right now. <laughs> All right. And we always close out these interviews with a little bit of rapid fire. So we'll come with uh, some pretty quick questions that are meant for fairly short answers, kind of off the cuff. Lettery. All right. With National Event Wins in six different categories. I think I know the answer to this, but I might be surprised. What NHRA category is your favorite to compete in? <sighs> Super stock. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Dan, uh, favorite racer to watch compete? Well, how can you say Pete Biondo? Oh, good choice. Man, I'm two for two. I thought I knew the answers to both of those. Okay. You uh, <laughs> obviously spend a lot of time on the road behind the wheel of an RV. And I know that becomes more of a job than anything 99% of the time, but is there any drive that you particularly enjoy in your travels? No. <laughs> That's... Uh, Dan, uh, you said you told us you're 53 years old, but you're a really cool 53. And I see you at the track. You're a cool dude, flat billing and everything. I know you got something you like to crank up. What's your favorite song to crank up? Actually, bro, I mean, when I drive down the road, I mean, when I get in that truck and go to Denver and, and roll 1,600 miles, that radio will not be on, bro. I'm just oh. thinking my thoughts, and, and I don't listen to nothing. Out in the garage, out in the shop, I do have country music on, and just whatever whatever's on is on. But when I'm rolling down the highway, I'm just... I'm thinking about things and just thinking and planning and thinking and ciphering and just trying to, I don't know what. <laughs> I'm gonna call the first I, I promise ever. you, the radio does not get turned on in my truck. <laughs> I'm calling the first ever rapid fire timeout. Uh, <laughs> you're telling me that it's possible for a human being to drive 1,600 miles and not turn the radio on. I that dude, I swear to God, as I'm standing here oh, on my children's life, that radio will not go on. I will, okay. I do have a couple apps on my phone for sports talk stuff. I listen to that, but yeah. music, just when I'm rolling, negative. On the garage, I got it on, but rolling on the highway, negative. Believe it or not, Jed, Jason Lynch is the same way. And I've traveled oh. with Jason a fair amount. It blows my mind. But no, I, I think uh, I'm, we're with the majority of people that just can't do that. But uh, it's not completely I'm, unique to Dan. <laughs> I'm driving to Benton, Illinois Thursday night. I'm not turning the radio on. I'm going to win everything you got. <laughs> everything you got. <laughs> I don't know, Jed. That's a lot I'm of thinking. Sure that... you're, you're, you're thinking machine and ciphering machine. I don't know if it's built for six hours of that, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> you can't think you're right. Oh, boy. One last question, Dan. For years, I have said, and I know I'm not the only one who said this, Dan Fletcher is the hardest worker in sportsman drag racing. Do you have a hobby outside of this? God, I'm so sad and pathetic. I I would be embarrassed. To, I dude, I am. I'm sad and pathetic. My hobby? Oh God, you can't even say it out loud. No, I don't have a hobby. I come, dude. 
when I was younger, all I would watch was sports. That's all I would watch. Mm-hmm. Now my hobby, it's not a hobby. I don't know. I don't golf. I don't, yeah, I mean, dude, you know this. I mean, come on. We, I start in February, you go through November. There's no time for a hobby. I'm not looking for any sympathy or whatever, but I work 12 or 14 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, it's just, it is what it is and that's what it takes. I mean, it just, it is from the time you, you click your eyes open at four 30 and say, God, it's in a five 30 yet. Can I get up yet? And then you try and lay there a little bit longer until you go to bed. It is wide open every day, just taking care of stuff. Cause I am in, I'm like you, I'm the only the only guy here to do all the logistics, the, the travel planning, the scheduling, the marketing, the accounting, taking care of the cars, you know, taking care of the trucks, the trailers, everything. I mean, it's all on you. So when I get done at night, like when we get done right now, I'm going to have a Michelob Ultra. I'm going to draw a bubble bath. That's right. I said a bubble bath in the jacuzzi tub. <laughs> and I'm and I'm gonna I'm petting him right now. I'm gonna pet my kitty cat Stuart. That's what I'm gonna do, bro. And then I'm gonna watch a little HGTV or some history channel, either American Pickers. Oh my god, my kids are going to kill me for saying this out loud. Oh my god. <laughs> American Pickers are like house hunters, dude. That's what I'm gonna do. So uh, well, far be it from us to interrupt your big night, Dan. I think we're going to let you go on that note. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. Thank you for coming on with us, Dan. It's a pleasure. Congratulations, Luke. You you are you are to me the the bar. You and Peter are the bar. So. Good job, and congratulations on your double. Excellent work. Well, thank you very much. That means a, a ton to me. I don't know that I agree with you, but I, I take that as a huge compliment. And congratulations to you, man. 100 wins is unbelievable. Thank you, my friend. All right, talk to All you right. later, Dan. Thanks, Dan. See you, Judd. See you, bud. All right, so uh, I want to thank Dan. What a great interview, and we're going to wrap up the show here, but we're going to introduce we had Dan and, Fletcher on six months ago. That was awesome. Man, <laughs> he was so good. I know everybody had to enjoy that. We're going to finish up the show a little different way, and it's something we're going to start doing going forward, That kind of a, a rant section. Uh, it's going to be titled This Week's Final Thought, but something that's, uh, that's on our mind uh, as individuals, and this week, Luke, you got some thoughts that's on your mind, but we need a presenting sponsor for this, so somebody step up to the plate because you're going to love this. <laughs> I mean, I am so excited right now. I just got off the phone with a guy that's won 100 national events and was a wonderful interview, and then I'm going to get to listen to this, which is a great message. So, Luke, how about this week's final thought? This is probably not going to be a weekly feature on the podcast, just because I don't, and I'm sure you don't want the pressure of what's the final no. thought for this week. It's just when the urge strikes us. And like I say, this week may come off as a bit of a, a rant, but that's fine. My point in this week's final thought is simply this. You never realize what you've got until it's gone. And case in point for me, most of you know, that I grew up in literally and figuratively at Texas Raceway, little track in Kennedale, Texas, that is just recently closed down. But I think that I speak for everyone that raced at Kennedale regularly during that time period when I say that, like, 
when you think back to the glory days, like that's what comes to mind. Like that's the best that it ever was. Like that whole atmosphere and the number of cars that they got and the level of competition and the people. And like I say, I, I think everybody that was a part of that will look, would look back on that and say the exact same thing, right? Like that was the coolest era yep. of my racing career. When I think back to myself in those days, I pissed and moaned and whined all the time. Like I'm so Larry Croft. If you if any of you know Larry Croft, he was our track manager at the time. I'm sorry, Larry. I was a pain in the butt. I didn't know any better. Like I, I was a a kid that didn't have any perspective that had no realization of what I had. Twenty years later, a hundred racetracks later, I do. Like it was awesome. And all of the little things that I thought were so important that I whined about all the time and felt like needed to be perfect, none of them were important. I don't remember half of them now. I remember bothering Larry because I knew the bar that he went to every other night. And I'd just show up there to interrupt his good time, you know, his relaxing time, to tell him what all he was doing wrong. I would do that. I was that guy. No, you were. I was absolutely that guy. I remember some of those conversations like it was yesterday. Unfortunately, I'm sure Larry does too. <laughs> My point is this. As bad as you think it is today, wherever you race and whatever problems, complications they have, I'm just telling you, you might look back on this 20 years from now and say, man, you remember that? That's when this stuff was really fun because that's what I do today. And the reason that I say all of this is I'm tying this back to today. And this is a little bit personal for me. I, my wife and I were at I-57 Drag Strip for the 4th of July. And let me preface this. This is our home track, obviously. Let me preface this by saying that basically every holiday weekend, they have a five grander at I-57. On Memorial Day, we weren't there. We were in Bowling Green at the Sports Nationals. But I think they had gotten started. Maybe it was during first round. It rained. I don't know if it rained a lot. It rained a little, but of course they called off the race. And of course the narrative then is, well, they pulled the plug too early. We could have raced, you know, cause that's what you say every time that it rains. And, sure. Right. Yeah. So that's all that I heard was, well, they, you know, they just didn't want to drive the track and they sent everybody home. Okay. So fast forward to 4th of July. The, I think time runs are, or I'm sorry, it was actually July 3rd. It was a Monday because everybody has the fourth off. That's, that's how, when we always have our big money race out here. And the rains came right as time trials were scheduled to begin. And it rained long enough that I called the track owner's wife and was like, y'all are canceling it. She's like, nope, we're going to try to race. Wow. Okay. It's going to be a long night, but cool. I'm, I'm up for racing. Well, some, and they tried. I mean, they were, they did everything that you could do to try to drive the racetrack. And the shutdown area just wouldn't cooperate. And it was a very humid, dewy, humid day that turned into a dewy night and everything was working against them. They literally tried to drive the track from three o'clock in the afternoon until 11 o'clock at night before they finally gave up and yep. pulled the plug. And at that point, what does the narrative become? You kept us here all day to call it. <laughs> okay. Like you just can't win. Right. And now granted, I realize that all of this nonsense is coming from the vocal minority, right? Like 95% of the racers there are just like 95% of the racers everywhere that are appreciative, understanding, but the ones that spout off the 5%, maybe I wish that I've got 20 years of doing this. Like I said, at a hundred different racetracks. And I just 
wish I can't impart that perspective. I wish I could. Obviously, this stuff happens all over the continent. It's not unique to I-57 drag strip. And no. obviously, I will admit, I am biased. Like those, the track owners, Scott and Leanne Bailey, are my dear friends. They're my partners in this weekend's Subject Summer Door Car Shootout. But here's the thing. They're not perfect. Okay? They're just like you. They're just like me. They make mistakes. Occasionally, they make bad decisions. I make plenty. But the one thing that I can say about them is that they care. They genuinely care about the sport. Their yes. place in it, their racetrack, and most of all, they care about their customers. You can't please everyone all the time. And if they have one flaw, that's probably it. They try to. It's because they care. And in the end, I think that's all that we can really ask. Like, I've been to racetracks where it's pretty obvious that the owners didn't care one bit about bracket racing. But personally, like, I've been really fortunate. Like I said earlier, I basically grew up at Texas Raceway. That staff cared. When I left Texas and moved to Alabama, what I considered my home track was Sand Mountain Dragway. Jeff Rooks and the guys there, they cared about racket racing. You better believe it. The staff at I-57 cares. If the staff at your local track cares about what they're doing, then I just urge you to support them. Support them when they're perfect. Support them when they're not. And understand when they make a decision that maybe you don't agree with. Just understand that there's probably more to it than you can see. Like, there's a lot of different hats you have to wear as a as a track manager, track owner. There's a lot of different people to try to make happy. And when you take a step back, even if at that point you still can't understand what happened and you feel like it needs to be discussed, well, then discuss it in private, outside of the heat of competition, like an adult, not behind a keyboard. I know, again, like, I can't impart my perspective for all of you, all we know is our own world. But as someone who's been around this for a long time and raced at literally over 100 facilities across North America, I can just tell you that your local racetrack probably isn't as bad as you think. If it is, vote with your wallet, not with your mouth. Race somewhere else. It's been my experience that oftentimes you'll come back because it wasn't as bad as he thought. And maybe you will, maybe you won't. But either way, you'll probably be better off. Rant over. That is today's final thought. Oh, Luke, that was so good. And, you know, really, as I joked a little bit about how excited I was, that is a wonderful message from a guy that has seen it all in racing. Like you said, you've lived everywhere, you've raced everywhere, and you, you truly have as broad a perspective as we could ask for in bracket racing. And, yeah, you're biased. Biased because you care so much about Scott and Leanne and all the folks at I-57 because they work their brains out. Anybody that goes to, if you're at the Summer Door Car Shootout this weekend, you watch Scott Bailey. Keep your eye on him. No doubt. The guy is a freaking machine. He's everywhere doing everything. Track owner out there cleaning up all downs and everything else. So, yeah, I saw the the things about I-57, and um, it really upset me on social media, and your message is very clear, and it is 100% spot on. And great final thought, great first final thought for us. All right, guys, that'll wrap up episode 34. Thanks again to our sponsors. This is Bracket Racing Elite, Racing RVs, Seabird Performance. Thanks to our guest, Dan Fletcher, who was awesome. As always, thanks to PJ North. Thanks to our assistant, Mark Romeo, for his help. If you've got ideas for the show, you can message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page 
or you can message Mark directly. We are bringing this show to you every week of the calendar year, so be sure to tune in and subscribe. Yeah, guys, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's hard to say three times in a row. Go to wherever you find your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. Go there, subscribe. All you do is search for the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast and subscribe, and it will tell you when the show is is available, the new show is available. Put it right there on your smart device, and you'll be ready to go. So go subscribe in one of those places or wherever you find your podcast. Make sure you tell your friends about the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. It is without fail. Every time I go to the racetrack, there's more and more people saying, man, hey, meant to tell you i love the podcast love what you guys are doing and you don't you guys don't know how good that feels to know that that we're contributing to the sport we love and we want as many people involved as we can get involved so tell your friends and get your track involved i actually had uh, my good friend head games mikey walters hit me up with a message this weekend and said you know at the world footbreak challenge when you get some downtime you need to play the podcast and i thought well that's pretty cool i need to do what i've been telling everybody to do didn't quite have the downtime that it would have required to get the message out and play it but it's a good idea and something that, uh, that i need to focus on more myself get your track involved have them play the sportsman drag racing podcast during the downtime oil downs parking time whatever and uh, i think that'll help get the word out and entertain folks a little bit and finally Make sure to join our Facebook community. That's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook. Uh, Join that for sure. And uh, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, Luke is at Luke Bogacki, and I am at JP11X. Uh, Catch up with us anytime on social media through the Facebook page or Twitter, and we'd be happy to interact with you. That wraps us up. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week. All right. See you guys. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty switching. Back. Who's Hot is presented by our friends at Seabrook Performance. Need, need me. <laughs> Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.